Loaded sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, God, <laughs> what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holding midfielder, so it's just too good. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of Loaded Sport. We have got a busy episode ahead, so let's get stuck right into it. For the people watching on YouTube, you will see we have got a full house. And for those of you listening on Spotify, you will soon find that out too. So, lads, I'm going to introduce you all, as always, one by one. And as is the new regular feature in the intro of Loaded Sport, I want to know your highlight of the last week or so in the time between recordings. Up first is the man that has just scored a 95th minute winner. Oh, have we? After four minutes was given in injury time on his latest FM football manager save. Console version. Console version. And a big shout out to Sports Interactive as well, because not only have they brought cross-play into FM24, which means I don't have to buy it on PlayStation. I can just use it on Game Pass and still play with you boys that have the PlayStation, which is amazing. Um, and secondly, you can carry on your save from FM23 into 24, which is Huge. exactly what I'm doing right now. And Huge news. Absolutely. So, yeah, Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, and also, of course, the sexy, the sensual man with the mic. How are we doing, chaps? Yes, good, mate. What's uh, What's been the highlight of your week between oh. our time of routine cut recordings? It looks like a good one. It's a shame if you listen on Spotify because you've just missed the face that Kemp's made there. But it sounds like it's going to be a good one. This fucking club. Hey, this club fucking right up here. him. Fucking this up him. fucking club right here. I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. Last time I was on the podcast, I talked about, I got a little bit emotional about my time as a mascot 19 years ago now in 2004. Um, and uh, and I got just as emotional on Saturday when we beat Wolverhampton Wanderers by a last minute penalty by Oliver Norwood to uh, to, to get the Blades the first win. Dubious. I don't give a shit. It's like I, said, it's like I said, though, when we were talking about it, we've had enough go against us this year. So right. the fact that the fact that we've had one for us, it's you know it's about right. But uh, listen, I'm not complaining about the penalty. He stuck it away, boys. Let me tell you, he so fucking mate, stuck what it a away. Pen. Meant it. What it's a meant pen. that, honey. It's meant yeah. that. Cameron Archer's goal as well. Can we just say what a finish that was? Um, so yeah, absolutely delighted. Ecky and Stuart McCall was ringing round Bramall Lane. Uh, brought uh, more than one tear to me. I put it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, the magic of football, Dawson. I had a fantastic time. Absolutely, absolutely. And next up, Sam, how are you, mate? And how's your week been? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, or the Thursday. highlight of your week, sorry, should I highlight say. Highlight of my week. Well, I'll, I'll spin straight off the back of Kemp the magic of football. Man's just last night playing five-a-side. Highlight of my week. Night and day performance from last time I played five-a-side. Fitness were low. Don't get me wrong, nowhere near where it should be. I'm not going to say it is, but night and day compared to what that first first time, Kemp will say, first time back indoors, it was fucking brutal. I could yeah. barely breathe after about 10 minutes. I thought, I've got another 50 minutes of this. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. And, and yeah, it was night and day difference. I, I've finished, finished the game. I feel fine. There's no, normally I've got a bit of a calf pull or something's fucking lingering about. I feel, I feel absolutely fine. Touch wood. So I'm probably going to go and fucking walk out into Millet Road or something after this and get hit by a car. Uh, yeah. But yeah, highlight of my week for sure is, has been five side. Thoroughly enjoyed it last night. Absolutely. <laughs> and there it seems to be a theme of the magic of football going on. And there's a reason why I've saved the last one till the end and the highlight of the week, because I'm assuming, maybe not so much now what Kemp's gone with this, but I'm assuming this is the biggest highlight of the week. And I'm glad to say that it should. 
unless there's something he's not told us, follow the theme of the magic of football. So, Aggie, first of all, how are you, mate? And uh, what's been the highlight of your time between recordings? I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, like you pretty much predicted, mine's going to stick along the theme of football. And, of course, it is the events that took place on Sunday. And as I've mentioned many a times, I am not bothered about an FA Cup run. Let's just get out of this fucking division. And I was stood there before the game started, and I turned to you, and I remember saying to you, Fuck it all, let's just have a cup run. And I felt it and I was excited for it. And you just get that sort of atmosphere, don't you? At this level, you won't understand, Kim. You're a Premier League level. You join in the third round and it's just No, 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 no. You, what but... I don't understand, what I don't understand, Aggie, right, from you is that you are so ardent and your opinions are things sometimes. You're so steadfast. And then one thing, the smallest little thing will happen. <laughs> you'll get a little bit carried away and you'll just throw all of your morals out at window. Oh, yeah, mate. Absolutely. I was there and I was like, look, let's just have a cup run. This would be great. If we do beat him, I, I had absolutely no expectation that we would. But then also part of me felt, you know, what if we did? And then obviously Skin called me and says, uh, I can feel a cup set. Or I can smell a cup set. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, one hell of a game. I thought we played very well. We were probably the better side of the two. Definitely. Um, took our chance and, uh, of course, walked away with the win and got a nice little uh, home game against Leighton Orient in the uh, the next round. But, yeah, it's just one of them things, isn't it? You sit there, you soak up the atmosphere. Kemp, like you said, with the blades, um, you just enjoy it and... Your mind just gets lost in it, and obviously, I've got now a new uh, new watch that tells me about my heart rate. And uh, <laughs> this, was, this, was, this was fucking great on Sunday. This brilliant. Um, at half time, I had a look at the watch, and my watch was just going like that as normal, like little things that like just big spike up at any point. And I turned around to and said, "I wonder what minute we scored in." Um, it just went absolutely mad as soon as we scored. Um, <laughs> and eleva- and a- Aggie's elevated heart rate of sixty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Can't cope with much more than that, though. Because on his legs, it's seven. Bloody can't, bloody can't. One question yeah, I've got for you, Aggie, yes. before you carry on and you summarise your, your your best time of the week from, from recording. You mentioned before, you don't want a cup run, don't want a cup run, don't want a cup run. I want to get out of this division as soon as possible. We've said it before about Chesterfield, is that they've thrown the fucking kitchen sink and all the fucking utensils at getting out of the National League, right? They've signed players that could probably play comfortably in League One and they're paying them sort of wages, right? you definitely got the biggest wage bill in the league, most definitely. Absolutely, yeah. But if you get a Reading, I think they might be through. I'm not 100% sure. And if Derby... Late, 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 late in Orient is who they've got in second round. Oh, is that who they've... Oh, it's already... Orient, But what are, are Orient in League One, are they? Yeah, they lost yeah. 2-1 to Portsmouth with 10 men. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't... That's like MMA math. I wouldn't look into that too much. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the prize money is, is definitely something that you should be looking at as a massive positive. And again... I get that you want to get out of the National League. I completely understand that. But if you don't, this FA Cup prize money could potentially be the difference between you staying afloat yeah. and you going under. So I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be angry at a Leighton Orient win as well, because then you could get a really big team away from home, share the gate revenue and set yourselves up for even if you don't go down. Yeah, I, I think the reason, the reason I kind of said no to it before was for the last two years, we've been top of the league when we've reached the third round of the FA Cup and we've been knocked out and it's just derailed our season and we've fallen out of league form. And if it's a choice, I'd rather get promoted than have a good cup run. So I'm a bit sceptical over just how far it's going to take uh, take us in the league form having a cup run. So, But yeah, it was a good game against Portsmouth. I'm not taking too much from the performances. Oh, we're definitely at League One level because we beat Portsmouth. You know, they weren't at their best. We were at our best and that's how it is. So uh, I'm a little bit more confident against Orient than I were against Portsmouth. But yeah, that's uh, my highlight of the week. An enjoyable game on Sunday. And then with about 20 minutes left of the game, whilst I was really nervous, I realised it. it's bloody red zone in a couple of hours. So uh, yeah, got to be excited about that. 
Gimbo, what's uh, what's your island, mate? Or is it the same as Aggies? It could be the same. It's been a pretty good week, to be fair. Very good weekend. It included like Halloween parties and stuff. But yeah, I think it would have to be that game. I, I, as Aggie had mentioned, I was walking down to the ground, gave him a quick call to see where he was. And I was like, mate, I can smell a cup set in the air down here, you know. Um, and, and it did. And obviously, the, the big occasion of it being on the telly, People like Ian Wright, Sam Matterface walked past me. What I shit it, telling him that you know didn't think he were he was quite Clive Tilsley. <laughs> uh, apparently, Lee, Lee Dixon walked past me straight past me as well, but he had that on, so I missed him there. But uh, yeah, I've got a question on the back of that. I have got a question Go on. on the back of that. You carry on, but I've got a question on the back of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was it. Just the occasion of being on the telly, just in reference to the money, it would have been about ninety k into the club, about fifty k for being on on the telly, and about I think forty one k. Uh, for for getting through, so uh, yeah, it's a really good occasion. Hot crowd, as we like to say. But Ken, what's your question, mate? Before we close, my question is: my question is, who out of you and Sam shit it more? <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Did you shit it more with Matter Face, or did Sam shit it more with Neil? And I'm going to answer this question uh, before anybody else. Okay, yeah. That man. Samwise, yeah, yeah, thank you. Shit it yeah. more than anyone's ever <laughs> yeah. shit it. Because yeah. not only did he say, Neil, you're a fucking paedophile, yeah. right? But he went up to him and said, Neil, can I have a picture? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. picture yeah. with him, the fucking yeah. simp. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, I'm so glad you said Sam, because if you'd have said me, then I'd have lost it purely for that reason. I was like, I didn't ask him for a fucking photo. If you'd have had so... a picture with Matterface, it'd have been about level Peggy. <laughs> yeah, but... that's fair. Now, lads, stories, time... though, innit? Stories, you got to do it for no, the stories. For the stories. If you'd have took a picture with Mussolini and said stories, <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah, fair enough. But Neil is a uh, fucking crossing the line, mate. You know, what? You, know, you know what? I did feel a bit sorry for him. He was stunning. He was on, it. He was on his own. Uh, good, good. He was on his own. There were a fucking big crowd of he Packers fans. It. He fucking nope. deserves it. No one would gain him a second glance, and I thought, "Oh, come on, let's uh, go." And I had a chat with him. It was a nice chat, to be fair. It, it, it was trying to pretend, trying to pretend uh, he was like, it felt sorry for him. That's I did. I did, I did him a favor. He, he asked for a picture. He, he asked to get a picture with me. To be fair, he wanted a picture with Sam, didn't he? Neil, Neil uploaded it to social media. Like <laughs> look, look Sam who I'm with. Yeah. yeah, Sam just reposted it. Okay. I will just like to put on record. Actually, Sam mentioned something there that he had a nice chat with Matterface. He did seem like a lovely guy. He was speaking to people people were asking for pictures and he was like yeah absolutely someone was asking if he'd been to Chesterfield before so as much stick as we as we've given him over the years for not being Clive Tilsley I'll give him credit he seemed like a genuinely really nice guy so I'll think, put that I don't think there. in isolation I've said it before in isolation I don't think he's bad I really don't I, Just I, not I don't Clive. I, I don't want to turn it off because he's on it do you know what I mean no, I, no that's true I, 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 I bloke Motson I would fucking straight <laughs> out of there as soon as I heard he wrong commentary but and Martin Tyler as well towards end. As soon as I found out you were on commentary, I was trying it's to not dead. Matterface, yeah. But Matterface, he's he's not he's not insulting, is he? I think yeah. the problem is is that he just he followed Clive and yeah. he's the, the tough, tough gig for anyone, isn't it? He was impossible to fill. Right, lads, this intro has gone on for way too long and we've got four questions to ask. I've enjoyed it though, have you enjoyed it? I've enjoyed it, but lads, I've got I one it. tiny, tiny, tiny little surprise. Or, or acknowledgement Ooh. or or announcement or something before we get stuck in. It's nothing major, but I just want to put it out there, lads, because none of you have mentioned it. So today, Kent would say, peep behind the curtain, the recording date is November the 9th, um, 2023. November the 8th, 2022 <gasps> was, the was the day in which we first uploaded an episode of Loaded Sports. So, lads, yesterday and this week, if I can get this going... Is our one year anniversary? Oh, oh, 
Happy birthday to Lotus Sport. Happy birthday Lotus Sport. Happy birthday Lotus Sport. So, Aggie, blow that out for us, mate. Real, mate. Well done, Aggie. Good luck. Well done, Aggie. Great work. Lads, we're a year in. Episode 76. We've got four questions and the will has spat out Mr. Thomas Kemp to kick off proceedings. So, mate, let's go. Straight in. Well... So I obviously was was not present during last week's episode and recording of Loaded Sport, which I apologise for. Uh, but one thing that, that has been happening over the media, and I've noticed it more personally this last season so far, due to the fact that obviously Sheffield United have been promoted to the Premier League, one of the favourites to get relegated, nowhere near top six echelons or whatever. And I've noticed that even more so than usual, in the age of social media where people say things for clicks and reactions and live streams and influencers, the disrespect towards every single team that isn't a top six team is absolutely fucking poisonous. Right. And, and that's my opinion. That's my real bugbear. And I'll go into a little bit more detail as to that. Obviously when I do ask, ask the question, but my question this week, because that's my bugbear is what in sports media annoys you and pisses you off the most so it could be a tv channel it could be a a presenter like neil it could be people's opinions on things it could be the disrespect shown towards smaller teams as it is mine and i'll go into some more detail about that obviously at the end after i've asked you all the question but that's my question so in your opinion what pisses you the most off about sports media and first of all i will go with the man who looks very emotional about this topic Aggie. <laughs> Look emotional about all of it, don't I? Um, yes, my answer to this is the 3pm blackout, which of course prevents any games that are kicked off on a Saturday from 3 o'clock from being streamed on any sort of Sky, BT, uh, ITV, anything like that. This only comes into effect when 50% of the teams that are participating in the top two divisions of English football are kicking off at 3 o'clock on Saturday. And it's a rule that dated back to the 1960s, I think it was, when originally the idea was to prevent all these games kicking off at three o'clock and being shown on TV because people would rather watch those than go to the actual games themselves. Now, And not just that, but there are only three channels back then, so you would struggle to get them all on the telly. (laughs) Well, yeah, you've got to take that into account. But yeah, taking into account, obviously, you know, Kemp, you're Sheffield United, Sam, you're Derby, I'm Chesterfield, Skin, you're everyone. So when we think about the games that we're going to cover or, 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 or watch, when we're going to cover, uh, watch the game. He did it again. He <laughs> did it again. He did it again. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. Let the joke breathe. Like a fine bottle of wine, I'm corking it. <laughs> I would find a real stand up comedian, man. Sam, Sam, we need to get canned laughter ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I was absolutely fine until I saw Kemp punching the air and everything. I thought, no, I can't do it. So, yeah, Uh, um, when you're going to watch games, I mean, regardless of who's on telly, Kemp, you've already said yourself, you'd go and watch Sheffield United. Sam, you'd watch Derby, and I'd go and watch Chesterfield. So I think in a, we're in an era now where people are going to watch the games live because they prefer to watch them live than watching them on TV. And like Kemp, you've already touched on the fact that the Premier League is pretty much orientated around six teams every single year. You're gonna if they're facing you know teams towards the bottom side of the Premier League, it's not going to be as entertaining. So more people are going to be tempted to go out and watch these games at ground. So lifting the three pm blackout, I don't think would have as much of a negative effect on attendances at games as it once did. So for me, I think that could be lifted. 
Yeah, and I think that is uh, it's a fair comment, uh, most definitely for fans, especially those fans that aren't exactly local to the team that they support, whether they're glory hunters or whether they've moved away. Um, obviously, it would help them if, if they were to watch those games on TV. couple of sort of follow-up questions I've got for you, again, trying to mm-hmm. play devil's advocate more than anything, is first of all, do you not think that that may affect attendances at grounds? Because it is going to be a damn sight cheaper to watch it at home on a subscription model, for example, than to actually go and support your club. So let's take a club like Chesterfield, for example. The reason I'm taking Chesterfield is because obviously you're a Chesterfield fan. Mm-hmm. But if, let's say, the Pro Act or SMH Stadium or whatever, they usually get, what, would you say 4,000, three or 4,000? No, like about seven or, or eight at minute. About seven or eight, right, okay. So if you've got a streaming service, right, for Chesterfield fans who didn't live in Chesterfield... Mm-hmm. And and they could just watch the game for let's say a five. There, there, there is to be fair. It's um, the National League has its own streaming service now, doesn't it? But again, okay. it is to the three pm blackout. Oh well, there you go then. So that, that makes no difference. Then, Fucking does it? pointless, isn't no, it? Does it? No, it's it's streamed. You can't stream the games at three o'clock. You can. All right. Well, let's let's not go down that rabbit hole. But let's assume that that doesn't exist, right? And let's assume that you don't want to pay £35 a ticket to Chesterfield because it's extortionate. And you just think, you know what, I'll pay a fiver a month for streaming and I'll watch Chesterfield whenever I want. Do you not think then that <clears throat> seven or 8,000 that turn up at the SMH every week, do you not think that is likely to potentially go down to four or five? And then also that affects the revenue that the club gets, which is obviously really important, especially at that level. I think it, it's really dependent, isn't it? If your team's struggling, people are going to be more tempted to just watch it from home. But if your team's playing really well, or you know, like you've got your pig cup games like we had this past weekend, you're going to be more interested in going to the actual ground and soaking in the atmosphere, that kind of thing. But you do still have supporters that, regardless, you know, through thick and thin, would rather go to the game than watch it on the TV. So I think but that's a core, isn't it? But that's a core. Yeah, like yeah, when absolutely. Sheffield United were in League One, we were getting about 18,000 fans every week, right? So I'd say we've mm. probably got about 15,000 core fans. I'm not one of them. I'm really not. I admit that. But then when we're in the Premier League, we're selling out pretty much every week. So... Yeah. If we were, you know, you've got that core, you have got that hardcore. But again, if you're not doing well and you're shit and you're at bottom of the league and you're struggling, like it were when you're in League Two and you got relegated, hmm. how many of those fans are going to come out and put money into the club when you desperately need it rather than just sitting there watching it at home and putting your feet up? No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, if anything, it'd probably impact the away figures more than it impact the own figures because people would feel more obliged. Like, they don't have to go out to the grounds or, or get up at five o'clock for a trip around the country just to be able to watch a game of football. They can watch it on the TV at home. I think it might increase home figures. It might stop that sort of, you know, away home team uh, support of violence that you might see in and about. But I think from a... I think it would if obviously no, away teams yeah, aren't yeah. going. You yeah, can't see that because you're not... You're not, not you, can't, you can't replace that with a subscription service, can you? They're going for one thing. They're going to fight. Well, so well, yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, they're not going. They're, they're not. They're not going. They're not going. Oh, just it's cheaper. They're going to go for a go for a scrap apartment. So I don't think that'll yeah. change. Okay, that's that's fair. Then I'll accept that one. But yeah, in general, I think yeah, you you're right. You're going to get some negative reaction. But how many of those people are not going to go, even if your team's performing badly, regardless of the three pm blackout? I mean, like you said, we were in League Two, we were struggling, we were going down, and our numbers were taking a hit, and we didn't have the streaming service back then. So I think it's irrespective of whether we are whether the service is there or not, you're going to struggle with those numbers when you're not performing well. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And again, I don't disagree with the three pm blackout ending. And I think a year or so ago, uh, there were rumours that it could potentially come to an end and that Sky would potentially lose the rights, and and it would. But alas, it didn't. So the next person I would like to go to would be Mr. White. 
Uh, yeah, give this one a good think. And I think what I eventually landed on was unnecessary pressure. And I think this is essentially in all walks of media, but I think the British media is especially good at this. Um, so I, I put down just a few examples. So I put the national side. Now, the national side is probably the weakest argument I do have, I must admit, because I do think there should be expectation now with the England side. So I'm talking years previous. I think we've kind of been a bit delusional with England fans thinking we're better than actually what we were. We were always a quarterfinal team. We never really did anything better. We should have been, but we weren't. So I don't know why we we always have this delusion of grandeur. We've won one, one cup ever in, in the in international history. We've got not much international pedigree, but now obviously over the last five years we've kind of have and we're up there. So that is now probably the weakest weakest subject. Um but young players I think more than anything for me with unnecessary pressure. You're looking at Jude Bellingham right now and we've already we've already spoke at Ed conversations about a Ballon d'Or being thrown around and he's 20 years old. Like we're, we're heaping the world on on his shoulders. We're expecting England to perform well at the next uh, Euros because of him. So we're, we're putting all this pressure on him. Now you imagine, just let's play, you know, example for a minute. You imagine if Bellingham went and did something at Beckham, went and did something a bit stupid at next Euros and kicked out and got sent off. Just imagine the, the backlash that lad will probably end up getting and shit like that. I, I, and, I, and I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I, I can't see it happening with his, with him personally, with him, his personality, because he seems like a very level-headed guy. But, um, you know, just just pressure. And then, like, like I say, it, is, you know, it does seem to be in all walks of life. So I was looking at the NFL. Um, you've now got uh, CJ Stroud, for example, the... Uh, the the QB for the Houston Texans rookie is burst onto the scene unbelievable last last week he put 400 plus passing yards and then all of a sudden I'm seeing these stats saying oh 400 plus yards these legends have never had these in a single game and they're like throwing out Johnny and I as Cam Newton Andrew Luck and they're throwing all it and it's a fair stat I suppose but like again you just you're, you're building these guys up and you're just thinking just you know let's just let's just calm down a bit let them just let them breathe a bit and let them let them ease themselves into it it's it's, it's his rookie year. And on the flip side of that coin, I'm going to put Jordan Love in there as well, because Jordan Love, I think the Packers fans more than anything, have been very, very spoiled since about 1993. We've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, obviously. <clears throat> now we've got a guy coming in, he's sat for three years, he's come in, and he's just not quite hit the ground. Well, first couple of games, they look really good, actually, but then he's kind of plateaued out and he's had a few ifs and iffy performances. And Arthur, probably probably say 60 to 70% of Packers Nation at the minute are absolutely hammering him. They're saying he's missing throws, he's not, he's not reading, he's not making his, his... And you look what he's having to deal with at the minute and it's fucking shocking. What he's having to deal with is we've got a very poor offensive line, we've got no receiving, receiving experience whatsoever. Play calling has been shocking. Discipline, penalties, He'll make a great play, and then that won't even be shown in highlight reel because we're old in and we're going back ten yards and just shit like that. But I'm I'm going off track really about Jordan Love, but just pressure in gen- general. I just think like like coach firing in 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 Premier League football, for example, like you a coach will a brand new coach will start, he'll, he'll probably lose first five games, and then all of a sudden he's in the hot seat and, and getting ready to get fired. Like where where is the a bit of loyalty to the man and and just giving him a bit of time? I mean, you imagine now. Imagine Fergie. Imagine if Fergie were coming into the league at what, whatever, however old he when he took over United in his 40s or whatever he was, and he got off to the start he did with United right now. Do you seriously think in three years' time he'd still have a job? Because I don't. No, no, it's a different, it's a different <laughs> world, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. in that respect. And I think 
media has has contributed towards that and i think something that contributes towards that even more than traditional media is social media i think the oh, amount 100%. Of, i think the amount of fans that put pressure on players and then you know these maybe nfl's instagram page or the packers instagram page or somebody or the texans instagram page for stroud will see the fans putting pressure on him and they'll think oh that's what the fans want us to do they want us to put pressure on him so they'll kind of buy into that a little bit and for the most part, Sam, I completely agree. Like we've talked about this before, right? About Eric Ten Hag last season, who delivered a, a top three finish, a trophy in a final, and then they've not got off to a great start this season, yeah. admittedly. And then everybody's saying that he needs to be sacked. You know, I'm sat there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, are you are you joking? Are you having a laugh? Like you've been wanting somebody to bring discipline to Manchester United for years. Eric Ten Hag brings in discipline. Now you want to get rid of him for it. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, and and I completely agree with you on that side of things. One thing that I can't quite agree with you on, and to be fair, you did say it was your weakest example. <laughs> I thought this would come in. <laughs> was was England between I'd say ninety six and two thousand and eight? We definitely should have won something, I think. And then England between twenty eighteen and now, we definitely should have won something. <laughs> so so I, I do get what you're saying. I think in between those two periods, I think we were shit. Ricky Lambert up top just gives yeah. you everything you need to know. But but yeah, I think in those two periods of time. The media weren't obviously ideal, especially with the Beckham situation and Wally with the Broly and all that sort of stuff. But again, at the same time, the media's point is to, you know, kind of do that. That's their job, right? To to put pressure on people, to call things out, to make people aware of things. And and I do think in a couple of instances there with England, I can't 100% agree with you. But in terms of your general point, Sam, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's outrageous, the amount of pressure that's put on quite young shoulders these days, to be honest, for the most part. So, yeah, yeah really, really good points made. Mr. Dawson. Hiya, yeah, right. Hiya. So the thing that upsets me, annoys me, whatever emotion that you want to uh, pin to this question is the notion that you have to have been involved in the game to to be a pundit or someone that analyses it or, or whatever you want to call it within the media world. So whether that's a pundit on your Monday night football or or Saturday night football or any other night of football, um, on Gillette Soccer Saturday, you know, there's been a lot of talk and arguments and negative comments about the changing of the guard when it comes to who now covers games on Gillette Soccer Saturday. Um, also, as well, talk sport, you know, the amount of pundits that we see on there that we think they're absolutely shocking and they're only there because they played the game. And, and I just think that just because you've played it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good at talking about it or your opinions are going to be of sound and, and solid sort of relevance and and when we see that it, you know again do you like soccer saturday again maybe it's the sam matter face and the clive, clive tilsley thing maybe they get a bit of a, a rough shot at it because we're comparing them to who was there before and who was there for many years um people like gabby Agbonglahor is just fucking shocking on talk sport no. i feel like i feel like he's there for the clickbait and for for that social media interaction because he says things that you think you're chatting just absolute fucking shit. And look, there are very, 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 very good, phenomenal pundits out there um, that have played the game in which that they now analyse and talk about. But I just feel like we're missing out on so many good opinions out there of people that, you know, sell their own podcast, for example, because that's their outlet. That's their way of getting their sort of opinions out to the world. But are you telling me, and again, I'm just using us as an example, but are you telling me that we get two hours on TalkSport every midnight evening or something that we're not going to give out better content and opinions and conversation that Agabi Agbonglahor is. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't believe so. I, do. I, I definitely. I, I back, my, back myself and doors no, over I, that I mean, any day. I mean, yeah. No, so that's what I meant. Yeah, we we would do that. Sorry, mm. is what I meant. Um, so yeah, and again, there will be other people out there that have podcasts, other people that produce social media content. Obviously, TikTok's growing when it comes to people creating their own platforms, and you are starting to see that bit of a crossover. You see the is it Saturday morning social stuff that that Sky Sports do. You're starting to see people that have had more of an online presence starting to get featured in that talk spot as well that I just mentioned there sort of getting sort of one two three people that have built their name and career through social media now starting and some of them haven't got the best opinions to be quite honest with you but it is good to see but just this but on the flip side of that you then see people saying well why are they talking about it they've never played the game so that side of it as well so but it's like to me it shouldn't matter whether you play the game. It shouldn't matter whether you've not played the game either. You make sense when you're talking about it and you create good content and good conversation or you don't. And yeah, just this notion that you have to have played the game to do it. But then when someone is given a chance, well, why are they, why are they a part of it? Because they they never played the game. So it just seems like a bit of a catch-22. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how you would fix it. But I would put us, genuinely would put us and other people out there that haven't been a part of the game in these slots, and I think we would deliver better content for that. But then on the flip side, when would why would then people say they've never played the game? So why are they commentating on it or talking about it or giving a platform? It shouldn't matter. Either we're talking sense and have a good, good conversation or we're not. So I'd say that's the, the main thing that annoys me about sports media at the moment, especially now we've started doing this. And I think you then listen to talk sport, you then watch Soccer Saturday, you then watch, you know, some midweek football with some random pundit on it and you think stick Sam in there he do a fucking better job or stick us <laughs> stick us in there I'd be cancelled mate I'd be cancelled <laughs> yeah, yeah to be fair, anyway, to be fair no, you, you make you make a very valid point and I think the one that, that really does obviously stand out is Gabby Atbonlahor purely down to the fact that you know a decent player. I think even I even heard on Talksport this morning that he admits that he probably could have done a little bit more. Um, but in terms of his takes and his punditry and and some of the things he talks about, it's it's mind boggling to think that he actually played at the highest level at times and uh, and he has the opinions that he does. It's it's scary. And again, I do get why the you know the people who've played the game are in those positions because they can go back throughout the career and think, okay, the time I was in this, I've got that experience to talk about that, uh, and we've not got that experience. But at the same time. I do completely agree that, you know, I watch football week in, week out. So do you all. Um, and and we know what we're talking about for the most part. You know, Kevin Keegan aside, we know what we're talking about for the most part. So, <laughs> that would get uh, you cancelled, to be fair. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, but again, I, I do completely agree. And I think it's just one of them where they have got, you know, media is a business at the end of the day. They have got to think about the viewing and the listening figures. Um, and if they got Gabby Atbonlahor on with, with Alan Brazil, probably draw a few more listeners than no offense Sam White or Tom Kemp or Adam Marsden. Um but again over time they don't know. Yeah over time over yeah the... but 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 like Sam's just said nobody's got any patience or loyalty anymore and it kind of links in between the two doesn't it so everybody wants everything now in this day and age but again a very good point that you make and I think a lot of people out there um could have uh, some really good opportunities and take you know make the most of them. Uh for me I touched on it at the very start of the conversation. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But one example I do want to give is prior to the Chesterfield and Portsmouth match that obviously you boys mentioned the other day. I was driving to golf um, and it was before the Chesterfield and Portsmouth match was taking place. I think it was the day before. Um, and I heard the people on TalkSport, I can't remember exactly what it was, Max Rushton and Charlie Baker, I think it might have been, or Barry Glenn Denning, talking about Will Grigg. 
Uh, and the fact that obviously he was playing in the game and Euro 2018 or whatever it was, he was, you know, a big star in the song, Will Griggs on fire and all that. Um, and, and I think Charlie, Barry Glenn Denning said something like, oh, Will Griggs playing in the game, um, but I'm not quite sure who he's playing for. I think it's Chesterfield. And I think Max Rushton said something, and I've got plenty of time for Max Rushton, but I think he said something like, oh, it doesn't really matter, does it? And and that sort of attitude towards lower league teams and towards smaller teams, you know, any team that's not top six, Newcastle, Spurs, Arsenal, City, United, Chelsea or whatever, they don't give a shit. Not one pundit, not one person in the media gives an absolute toss about the rest of the 80, 88, 86 teams in the league. They just, and, and, and the National League as well, apart from Wrexham, because Ryan Reynolds. So I think I get, I 100% get why the, the media is on, the attention is on these teams because they are the biggest teams and, and everybody knows about them. But the, in the same breath on the Sunday morning, I was listening to that and I was hearing them say, you know, Sheffield United, they, you know, they got really lucky. It should have been a penalty, shouldn't have been a penalty, blah, blah, blah. They couldn't even name the the person who scored the penalty. They, did, they couldn't even be asked to type Sheffield United versus Wolves and just see that it was Oli Norwood that scored the penalty. They couldn't even, they don't give two shits because it's all about top six. It's all about the mates who, who fucking obviously operate at top six clubs and people they used to play with that might coach there. Um, and it's just all a load of shit. And the disrespect that every other team outside the top six gets on a weekly basis, Sheffield United, Luton, all these teams that, yes, they are struggling, but there's a reason for that. Because you're not giving them the attention. They're not getting all the money. They're not getting all the prizes. We're fucking battling every single week to get three points. And they just don't give a shit. So that's my biggest gripe with, with the media itself, is that they are very, very disrespectful towards smaller teams. And the attitude that, oh, it doesn't matter who Will Grigg pays for. How unprofessional are you? This is an FA Cup tie between two historic clubs and you don't even care who they play for. I take the piss out of Chesterfield with Aggie, and I do. And, you know, we enjoy that and we have banter. But for God's sake, do your fucking job. Rant over. Well, well. A great man once week, said, everyone. A great man once said you've got to fucking die to get three points. So, oh, uh... he fucking did. He did. <laughs> That's historic. My next historic. My next historic. Chester- yeah, yeah. Historic Chesterfield. Eh? Is that Aggie talking or Kempi? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, no, but I think I think somebody like Chesterfield. I think they hold just as much weight in the game as somebody like Wrexham. Yeah, in definitely. terms of their historical sure. significance, right? For sure, definitely. The only yeah. difference is, is that fucking Ryan Reynolds is the owner of Wrexham and not Chesterfield. Yeah, but people would not give one shit about Wrexham if it wasn't for that. Not no, one no, shit. And and, and, and and an even a bigger example, right? You've got me going again. Is the FA Cup when we played them last season? Nobody were talking about us. We're <laughs> fucking top of championship. Nobody gave a shit. It's crazy, crazy. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again. So, um, how do you fix it? Because I think some of the things that you said there kind of fell into what what I was talking about. You know, you talk about the unprofessionalism and people like Max Rushton, who's got a presenting background on Soccer AM and a lot of radio and things like that, but. How do you fix that? Because surely if you're talking about sport, you should have respect, you should have knowledge of things that are going on in the sporting world, not just what's happening in the top six or just happening in the Premier League. You know, these things matter to a wider audience. So, you know, is there a way to fix that or are we too far gone and that's just fucking shut up and deal with it? It's not not just that example. It's like, I don't know if you know any, you know, Boovey, who's this Man City influencer, person that does like uh, stuff with Rory Jennings and stuff. Um, but they were talking about Sheffield United and and saying, oh, 
Yeah, they're gone. Don't even talk about them. Arsenal beating Sheffield United, yeah, it's a free hit. Don't give a shit. You know, turning the nose up. And I just think this attitude needs to change. And 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 how do we change that? I think we as a football community, as fans, including fans of top six clubs who turn their nose up, they need to be saying, well, no, actually, let's let's get this right. You know, Sheffield is the place where the modern game football was invented, right? So let's have a little bit of respect for, for a club from Sheffield. Yeah, for, for a club from Sheffield, right? Let's have a bit of respect for somebody like Chesterfield who, that's fallen on quite hard times in the last few seasons. Let's let's start having a bit more respect for these clubs because, you know, they've got really, really loyal fan bases. Like I say, the historic clubs, Chatsworth Cup winners, Chesterfield, you know. <laughs> massive, massive. And, and and let's just have, let's just Look as a football community. That I was so mad that you used that. Let's, let's, let's just as a football community, in all seriousness, not turn our nose up just because they're not top six clubs or trending on social media. I think everybody who supports top six clubs and everybody across the country just needs to do a little bit better. That's word. Word indeed. Next up, question two of the evening. The man with the mic, Mr. Aggie Marsden. Right. Uh, mine came from, I think, a conversation we are actually having on a group chat at one point. And I just thought this would be a good question to have, and you kind of flew with it. So, uh, Skin, I'll come to you first for it. Is the best food at a sports event? So that's the arena, what food you had, what event you were watching there. Yeah, okay. So I think, personally, if it wasn't for, for the answer that I've got, I might be going for a hot dog down at Chesterfield because um, I don't think the standards... Are, I don't know if any of you follow the page. I think it's called Footy Scrans on, on yeah. Twitter slash X, which shows these amazing-looking dishes that people are getting at football games. Yet I've seemed to have avoided every football ground that these things are served at because it seems like it's just pretty terrible the food standards over here when it comes to stadiums arenas kept we went to we went to Wembley recently as as early as August Sam I've been with you before um you know and you, you you get there and you have a chicken strips and chips at Wembley the home of football the biggest stadium in the UK and it's fucking shocking it's just, sorry Excuse mate in the home of football the home stadium Sheffield, Sheffield yeah. FC is the home of football yeah sorry you. that's there's your disrespect in sports media right there uh, <laughs> fucking yeah. top six fan Fan are all yeah. six of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> also, biggest, biggest, biggest fan, or the biggest part that I was a fan of from your answer there. You said big six named clubs, and you didn't name Liverpool, so I'll take that. Happy days. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, you go to Wembley, big stadium. You think at least some semi decent, uh, some semi decent catering. You would have thought, and it's about twelve pound fifty for some chicken strips and chips. And you'd have thought that you'd got them from fucking out the bin because they're, they're dry and they're shocking. But uh, anyway. That's why I don't think the food. That's why I nearly went for a hot dog at uh, the SMH Stadium because that's about as good as it gets. So anyway, my answer. I'm going to take you back to December of 2019, just before COVID hit and the world as we know it changed. Uh, I managed to live a, a a very I won't say lifelong, but a very long dream of mine to head over to Boston to watch some sports. Uh, and as part of that trip, I went to TD Garden, the home of the Boston Celtics, which is where I got this uh, nice little refillable cup, and. Uh, I had, as mentioned, that I've had at Wembley before, some chicken strips and chips. A pretty basic meal, but fucking hell, that's night and day compared to what you get over here. Proper chicken strips, things that you'd be very happy to get. Not chicken strips, mate, chicken tenders. chicken tenders. Chicken tenders. <laughs> yeah, sorry, chicken tenders. Really good fries. And, and yeah, I got a, I got a, a large coat with it and paid a little bit extra for a refillable cup that I could bring back home. I'm still using nearly four years later, but... Uh, yeah, again, chicken tenders and strips might not sound like the, the most exciting of meals, but tell you what, lads, it was like a fucking gourmet meal compared to the options that we get over here. So there's my answer for you, Aggie. 
Yeah, very good answer. Um, I'm gonna go next because I feel like you guys are all gonna have better answers than me, and I just clicked on that when you mentioned um Wembley then because my answer is actually the food from Wembley when I went to watch um AEW. Um, I went there standards the same time for you. you guys. Yeah, that's my standards. I mean, I've never been to a sports event outside of the country. Um, I think other than like you know football, you've this been is to the only other... you've been to a game in. A football been, game in Prague or something. I've never yeah. eaten. I didn't eat there. Oh, okay. I didn't eat in the uh, in the stadium. So a liquid diet for forty eight hours. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going with um with the food that I had at Wembley, and and I had a burger and I had some nachos as well, which was something that I'd never actually had before nachos. And for some stupid reason, I thought the right time to try them would be when they're overpriced at Wembley. So uh, I had them and they were very nice. Went to watch AEW at the same time as obviously Skin Kemp. You both went as well. But yeah, that's uh. That's that's my pretty basic answer, to be fair. So that's yeah, why I'm that's going next, because that. I that's feel like you guys are going to have uh, much better answers. Imagine so, having uh, a bad answer to your own question. Yeah, that's that's your question. question. I'm going to be yeah. honest. Bad that. It's not as if you like scraping bottom at barrel, is it? Because you've brought up the question. So. Well, I asked it in general and just thought at the time, you know, I've not really been anywhere other than, you know, the SMH Stadium and... Maybe Fuck a couple of away games. That's so depressing. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't really eat when I go out to to these sort of places watching football. So yeah, you're like you a like, character you're like... at you like a character at League of Gentlemen, just fucking <laughs> up in hills somewhere. Like you never leave, <laughs> never leave the village. <laughs> I'm thinking more bagpipes myself. Aggie, but... <laughs> <laughs> you had a lovely cheeseburger at SMH Group Stadium on Sunday. Don't know what you're talking about, mate. mate. It was cold because I had to stand away from it with you, waiting for you to have a picture with Ian Wright, and you change your mind at the last minute oh, I didn't change my mind you did it was a, no there were big queue Damn, and you're like oh, I'm going to go in a minute for about Ooh. 25 yeah. minutes and Ooh. then you change your mind yeah well that's not my fault mate we were stood in the queue for ages so you had plenty of time to eat while waiting Kemp he mentioned nachos at Wembley there if I remember yeah. rightly you actually bought yeah. two portions of nachos when I went yeah. to Wembley because you thought actually, yeah. I wanted one and I did yeah. so you went yeah. with two so what's yeah. your thoughts having had that dish at uh, Aggie? Fucking shit! <laughs> 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 fucking wank and popcorn were even worse. It was like eating cardboard. Fuck you know. So uh, yeah, that's enough of my answer. Uh, Kemp, we'll come to you next. Then for yours, you tell me yours. Uh, it's a bit of a cheating one for a couple of reasons. First one is is that I know where it is and I know who I was watching, but I can't remember who they were playing against. So you're going to have to mark me down for that one. It was a few years ago. I think I'd just met Mr. Ben Dawson. It was 2015 time-ish. Um, and I went to watch Manchester United. And I went in the hospitality bit to watch Manchester United. So, you know, prawn sandwiches at Manchester United obviously can't be bad. I'm fuming. Um, Sorry. I've just remembered what my answer should have been. But Oh, on. well, it's surely honourable mention at the end. Oh, when Wembley when you went to watch Wickham, I reckon. I yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but yeah, I went to prawn sandwiches. Went to watch Manchester United. I believe it was a European fixture, but I can't remember who it was against. It was a fucking drab game. It was Man United in 2015, so you can imagine how drab it must have been. Um, I think it might have been under Van Hall, maybe at that time, but I can't remember 100. percent Um. But the meal was absolutely unbelievable. As you can expect, hospitality at Manchester United, absolutely spot on. I think we had a nice steak and, and they got some lovely red wine and, and it was all fucking unlimited. You could have however much you wanted um, and, and it was absolutely fucking spot on. And the funniest thing was, is that the reason that I got to go hospitality at Manchester United is because we went into a casino in Sheffield where we entered a prize draw and my friend, who's a Leeds fan, 
but just for bants, because Leeds were in championship at that time, said, oh, I'm not going to win, so I'll just put me down as Man United. And we won. <laughs> so that's why we went to Man United and went in the hospitality. And it was very, very nice. So I must admit, always very good when you go to hospitality. Went prawn sandwiches this last weekend at Sheffield United and had a lovely chicken Wellington meal, which was a bit different, but still very nice. Um, and, and you can't complain when you do go in the prawn sandwiches. So for me, it was Manchester United. Can't remember who they play against. It was about eight years ago, so it was some time ago. But you have got me thinking, Aggie, on the back of what you've just said there. I actually don't think I've ever been to a sporting event outside the UK, and I'd never thought about that before up until now. So thanks for that. That's on the bucket list. Things to do. Very welcome. Uh, Sam, welcome to you then for your uh, yours. So paint the picture. We're going back here to Wednesday, the 10th of March, 2010, two days after my birthday. Um, I think I had booked the week off work. So this is back when I was at uh, at my celebrity days. So I was... uh, I wasn't was, a celebrity. It, it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an actual celebrity. I worked at a company called Celebrity who made furniture celebrity for all people. days, that's right, God. <laughs> I'm very delayed boss at that. <laughs> made, uh, made, made furnitures, recliners for old people. So it couldn't be further from the word celebrity, but but there you go. Shout out to Celebrity on the unloaded sport. Uh, yeah, it, Derby travelled to Reading at the Majeski Stadium. Um, Tina, our good friend Tina, had managed to get some tickets for the hospitality suite at the Majeski. As I say, it was like it was wet. It was a Wednesday night. It was fucking freezing. It was it was like well into well below minus. Um, as I say, we'd all got the we'd all got the time off work. So four of us. I can't. Dave some Dave Vardy. I think his name is. I don't. I don't even know the other two people who went with really. And we ended up getting a B&B, stayed down there for the night. Uh, and the game, the, the game is more important than the meal itself. It was a three-course meal, obviously, in the box. I have not got a fucking clue what this meal was. <laughs> I've only picked this stuff this, so just so I can tell this story. But the meal itself, like Dawson rightfully said, football grand meal, meals tend to be really shit. So I'm thinking, I'm going for a three-course meal. It's got to a bit best, surely. And it comes with, with, with a decent backstory as well. So, yeah, Derby County, away at Reading. Um, at the Majeski. Uh, I'll just read you the headline. I've just been uh, quickly Googling the match now. Just the headline, the first sentence of the game. I'll tell you, spoiler alert, we lost 4-1. So you, you straight away, you know you're up against it. The headline reads, Reading Hammer Derby in an eventful match which saw Rams captain Robbie Savage play in goal after substitute Sol Dini was sent off. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Oh, we started the game with Stephen Bywater, the biggest nutcase goalkeeper in the entire fucking world. Uh, he got took off after 13 minutes for injury. Soldini replaced him. Soldini is like Derby's Massimo Taibi. He's just, a, he's just known for being the biggest fucking calamity we've ever had. And we've had some calamities. Um <clears throat> He come on on 13 minutes. By 40 minutes, he'd got him sent straight red, sent off. So uh, next minute, you've seen Robbie Savage putting goalkeeper shirt on. And they always hang about four sizes too big for him, don't they? He's got gloves on, too, way too big for him. And you're just thinking, fuck me, we're in for an idea. Then you know what? We lost 4-1. Robbie Savage didn't play too bad, you know. He'd, I'll give him his dues. And I always remember one thing. There was a free kick ready and had on the edge of their box. And they pinged it. And I swear to God, it was the closest to the top bins I've ever seen a free kick and he fucking clawed out this unbelievable save and I'll always remember that I just thought Robbie Savage what a fucking idiot but what a guy as well so uh, 
yeah, so that has to go down as, as my all-time memorable, I'll, I'll put it as memorable uh, meal at a football ground. And then later that night, we ended up in Reading, Wednesday night in March, obviously went around, everywhere was shut, but luckily it were, it were a student night at one of the bars at the Purple Turtle, it were called, and we ended up staying there till about four in the morning and we got absolutely trashed. Drove back home the next day after staying in that uh, this weird B&B. And I just remember Tina doing a fa- his famous Tina and hanging his head out of the car window on on fucking. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know. It read in. It's read in past the the M25 or not. I think it's further than the M25. It's not. It's not inside the M25. I don't think. But whether, which, it might be M1 or whatever. Anyway, there were morning traffic. So it was a Thursday morning. Everyone's getting ready to work, and Tina's pulled up at this fucking roundabout or somewhere, and he's just fucking pumping his guts up all outside the road. And I'm just thinking, what have, what have, what 24 hours have I? Just witness, but yeah, that's uh, that has to go down. That is my most memorable, uh, memorable meal at any kind of uh, sporting event. Yeah, well, it didn't answer the question, but it was a good story. So, cheers. Um, it's all about stories, yeah. mate. It's all about yeah, no, stories. Well, there you go. I mean, my meal didn't Still even taste nice. And camp, so, yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> I'll never live that down, will I? <laughs> no. Never, 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 ever, ever. Uh, Mr. Sam White. You're up with the penultimate question of the night. Ooh, okay. So <clears throat> my question, it was a bit of a bit of a head scratcher, and I wanted you all to have a good think about it. And I put the question earlier in the week, so I gave you all plenty of time. And obviously, I'm gonna say spoiler alert. We, we, we shared the answers in the chat because I wanted the caveat of no one's allowed to pick the same player. So it got people thinking a bit. It was give me your football in five-a-side team, past and present, caveat being. You cannot have the same player as one of one of the, us three at Loader Sport, and you can only have one player from the same club. That caveat, I must admit, caused me a little bit a little bit of issues to start with. So I had to have a good think. I'm just going to jump straight in. So can I, I went just for... add a bit of context to that just before you do. Yes, please confirm to me that the rule was that they can't have played for the same club ever. Ever correct. Thank God for that, because Ever. I was really screwing my head using that rule. But obviously, if it wasn't like that, I'd have been fuming. But anyway. Continue. Yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, ever. So I think I I was going to put uh, Suarez in man, but then I forgot he played for one of the teams that uh, one of the other guys had played for. So I went first. So I dropped mine in to make sure the lads obviously weren't clashing with mine. So I went Edison in goal. I was just thinking pure five-a-side rules. He's going to be unbelievable with his feet. Um, he's probably not going to have to do a lot with his hands with, with the team in front of him. So yeah, just a ball-playing goal goalkeeper <clears throat> don't really care how his ability is I just wanted someone with his feet centre-back I'm just going one centre-back in win formation as well so I'm going big Rio Rio Ferdinand again one of the first sort of modern ball playing centre-backs with, with speed and ability so he, he'll slot right in there next to it next to Edison at the back uh, and then my midfield two is going with Xavi and Bellingham now Sports media hyping on pressure again. I'm chucking Bellingham in with all these legends, so I'm just as guilty as everyone else, really. Uh, Xavi and Bellingham, I think, in the middle of the park are just, uh, you know, you've got you've got Xavi, pure technical brilliance. Bellingham, box to box, engine not going to stop. So I think that's that. I think them two will be a, a bit of a lethal combo. And then up from out of all the strikers, I'd already named the four prior to that, so it kind of limited my options. Obviously, I've got I've got City, United, Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid. West in, in amongst in, in what West Ham, 
West Ham, yeah, West Ham as well, <laughs> in amongst all that. So I kind of limited my striking options at this point. This is why I said I was going to have Suarez, because he was just an unbelievable dribbler with the ball. It was just scruffy dribbler, you know, Dawson me and Dawson always say. It, it never looked good dribbling, but he never seemed to lose the ball. It was always bouncing off defenders, and he just managed to get past players. But obviously I couldn't because Javi, both play for Barca. So uh, I ended up with Harry Kane. And I thought probably one of the best we've ever seen, really, ball-playing strikers, you know, bringing players, people into play. Um, again, you could have kind of put Rooney in with that category of, you know, a ball-playing striker, but but I've got... Um, I've got I've got uh, Rio, of course. I've got Rio in there. So yeah, Harry Kane up front. I don't know why I've got a funny look from Kempe there saying about Rooney, but uh, well, I do know why. You but, know full uh, fucking yeah, well. Why. I do know Let's why. Let's start starting with that. I do know why? So that will be my five aside. Can your boys beat it? I'll start with you, Skin. Okay, so I well, I had to change this team about five times because I was forgetting that players that had played for a team for one season and that clash and had a fucking nightmare. But we got there in the end. Uh, I'm starting with Manuel Neuer in the net, the man that started the transition of the, as you said there, Sam, ball-playing goalkeepers, a sweeper-keeper. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Great shot-stopper, but will be very, very uh, adept at starting off plays on the five-a-side pitch. At the back, this was one that I had to change quite a few times because of that clash uh, with other clubs. And I settled on John Terry, um, just a fucking bruiser, a kind of the middle linebacker role, sideline to sideline, just following that back line because I've only gone with one defender myself as well. Um, and one centre mid, Paul Scholes, because, well, what more do you need to say? Just dictating play, sitting in front of John Terry as that extra shield and can obviously absolutely ping him from long range as well if needed. And then I've gone with two strikers, lads. I've gone for Gabriel Batistuta, because one of my favourite players, just an absolute beast, strong, fast, could finish like a motherfucker as well. Exactly what you want in that short, tight spaces. And then one of, if not my favourite player of all time, R9, the original Ronaldo, just at his peak, speed, finishing. He would, he, not sure how he'd get on, you know, you can't shoot inside the box. So he'd probably have to, he'll not be able to round the keeper about 50 million times during the tournament uh, as he does now. But uh, yeah, what a five that is. Two up top, fuck it, all out attack. So yeah, that's my five. Why not? Why not? Uh, I've got to say, I'm th- I think I'm fancying my five at minute against them. I'm just thinking R9 at a five a side is not going to be able to use that legendary pace that he had in his early career. So I think I think uh, Rio might have him in his back pocket, to be honest. But, uh, but uh, Kempi, uh, mm. let's go with you, mate. Who you got? I want to start this off by saying I was the last person. You was, to be fair. I'll give you that one. Team. I'll give you that so, one. So I'm just going to say that just, just as a caveat. And I know I could have I could have got in there quicker, but I was driving to the shop when you dropped the question in, Sam. You answered it straight away. Dawson came in straight after, and I came in straight after that. So by the time I got to the co-op, you'd all answered. So I thought, yeah, it's I fair. Well take, it's fair. I might as well take me time. So I took another four days to decide. <laughs> So, so you mentioned there, there's a couple of uh, questions, R9, for example, you know, yes, quick, yes, rounded keepers, but like you said there, Rio might pocket him a little bit too physical for him, maybe on that small pitch. So I've gone down the lines of, for the vast majority of my players, they are physical specimens. Like it. Really dominate that, that five-a-side pitch. So in goal, I have gone for Petr Cech. Petr Cech, a Towering goalkeeper, Jose Mourinho once said that Petr Cech easily got uh, Chelsea 15 points a season on his own. Um, and I think there's no understatement there. Even after he got 
cracked in the head against Reading and had to wear his helmet for the rest of his career. Um, still unbelievable. And, and and I know until recently he played pro hockey in the net as well. So yeah. it just shows you how unbelievable Petr Cech was at shot stopping. And again, you know, he was an absolute mastodon in that goal, you know, in, in that in that goalkeeping position. It wasn't quite a sweeper keeper, as we've mentioned before, but in five-a-side, I don't think that's the most... I don't think you need that in five side, to be quite honest with you. So that's that's the reason I've gone for Petr Cech in goal. Big marauding goalkeeper. Um, the centre back I've gone with is very very similar to your your centre back, Sam. And actually, it was your your centre back's partner, Nemanja uh, hey. Vidić for Manchester United. Nemanja uh, Vidić, I know, I know, Dawson, one of your favourite players of all time. Um, dominating physical specimen like you said there about Rio as well he could play the ball he wasn't as much of a ball player as Rio but he could still do that he had still that got that part of his game but he was nasty he was aggressive strikers were you know, scared about playing against him and I think in that or as well yeah side team I think uh, that physicality again is what's needed and staying on that subject in front of him I've got Zinedine Zidane that's and the is one there for me. a more That's physical? He was the one that I was like, I, I can't drop R9, but he was the one person I was is like... Is there a more been... physical midfielder than Zinedine Zidane ever? You know, unbelievably there. physical, quick, powerful, pacey. I think he's got the best highlights video on YouTube ever. Purely <laughs> down to the passes, the runs, the, the flicks, the touches, the goals. He had just, just from his game against Brazil in 06, that's it. Mate, it just, the, the Zinedine Zidane was an absolute wizard. And again, I've kept in the line with the physicality side of things. And Zizou, I think, is absolutely my captain of the father-side team, but also a physical specimen with the same sort of hairline as yours, truly. Um. I've then gone away from that just a little bit because within all this physicality, I do think you need some real intricate quality. And when you think about intricate quality players that can dribble around people, make space and play passes and also score goals, Diego Maradona obviously has to come into your thinking in that respect. The little magician, bless him, the goal he scored against England, not the one that he he, he, he palmed into the net, but the one that he took round everybody. And uh, and then did he round a former Chesterfield keeper to put it in the back of the net as well? I think he might have done. He did. Um, <laughs> just getting another little diggy there at Chesterfield for Maradona. But yeah. Um, no Diego good looking Maradona. away, Ag. There's no good looking away. Diego Maradona, the only one who wasn't, you know, isn't a physical specimen, only about five foot six, bless him. But, but he's got real quality and, and he can set goals up for my striker, possibly the most physical robot, robot and specimen of strikers that's ever existed. The one, the only Erling Haaland, who is no no doubt, in my opinion, the best striker in the world at the moment. And when all is said and done, may be one of the greatest strikers of all time. Again, physical, at least six foot five is he. He's a fucking weapon. He's quick. He can finish from anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident about my five-a-side team, lads, to say that I, uh, I assembled mine after everybody else. Not bad, mate. Zidane, I think I may have possibly dropped the ball on Zidane. I think I've, I've, I've backed Bellingham over Zidane, obviously with the Madrid link. I could have fit Zidane in there, um, but I purely just went for a box-to-box type player. So, yeah, I think Zidane is probably the one more than anyone I could have probably done with backing, backing myself. Aggie, finish with you, mate. What you got? Mate, I've just realised from listening to all your guys' teams at the moment that there's quite a few players that have actually been missed off, such as the likes um, of Messi, Ronaldo, yeah, you know, yeah. players that at the minute people think are the greatest players of all time and they're not in any of our lineups. Spoiler alert, they're not in mine either. Um, I'm going to start with uh, goalkeeper. 
the only goalkeeper to have won the World Cup Golden Ball, which he won in 2002. I'm going to go with Oliver Kahn as my goalkeeper. Um, 204 clean sheets in just over 550 games in the Bundesliga. I feel like he's a very good shot stopper. And looking at some of the sides that you guys have got already, I'm going to need a good shot stopper. Forget about the ball playing goalkeeper. I need somebody that's going to be able to uh, to uh, be quite agile and uh, and obviously keeping clean sheets. Um, at the back, there was only one guy for me that I was going to go for here, and that is uh, Paolo Maldini, a one club man, an absolute icon in Italian football. Probably, in my opinion, one of, if not the best uh, player to have never won an international trophy. Obviously, whilst they were playing for Italy, never won the Euros or the World Cup. So he's got to be up there um, in conversation. Midfielder, I do like the fact that Skin's gone for Scholes as the uh, the passing midfielder. I've gone for the guy that stood alongside him for a lot of his Manchester United career. And I've gone for Roy Keane, the tough tackler. He will, of course, be my captain, the guy that will get everybody pumped up and ready for the game because heaven knows that I'm not quite that charismatic. Alongside him, I'm going with uh, Phil Foden. Young at the moment, very creative. I don't think we're seeing the best of Phil Foden at the moment because Gareth Southgate doesn't seem to like him. And I think with um, what's going on with Pep, he likes to swap his side around quite a lot. So I don't think we're seeing the best of Foden, but I think the potential is there for him to be one of the uh, greatest players that England have ever produced. And for a striker, I am going with Thierry Henry. Um, there were a lot of strikers that crossed my mind. And yes, as old-fashioned as it makes me sound, I even considered at some point Alan Shearer. But I'm going with Thierry Henry. 290 goals in the uh, um, in 600 games. 51 of those goals uh, came in the Premier League. Um, sorry, 290. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for Arsenal, um, I think his record was quite strong. Um, and I think... At six aside, you need somebody that's going to be able to score from anywhere in the pitch. And I think as a striker, he could do that. You're fucking up. Six aside. Have you got extra? Five aside. Five aside. It's modern and it's six aside. I've got Uh, a question for you about Henry as well. You've been sort of rifling off his stats there and you struggled at one point to get get them out of your mouth. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at them now and I'm thinking, these don't read right. Surely I've got them wrong. But I've I've got a question for you. It's a very important question. Mm. At France under 15 level, <laughs> Mate, he was more prolific than Mike Lloyd was at under 15s. I've checked all that. That's the only stat I've got here that's accurate. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I believe the he has well. he's got that's accurate. Oh, God. I believe yeah, yeah. that. That's my five side team. And what's your thoughts? Aggie mentioned it then. I was I was ready and prepped for it at the end, but four five side teams, and yes, there's the caveat of no club clashes, but no Cristiano Ronaldo and no Lionel Messi are up in there. What's your thoughts there? I don't, I don't mind the no Ronaldo. I think I think we've all kind of dropped the ball a bit on Messi. Um, I think probably out of anyone, I think Aggie more than anybody has dropped the ball on Messi. I know he's gone on Henri and Henri, you can't argue Henri, but I think Foden, you've got to get Messi yeah, in there ahead yeah, of Foden, yeah. I think. See, if I go for Messi, I can't have Henri. I know you can't. I, I know you, you should have got Messi. Messi yeah, Messi's better than Henri, though, isn't he? Messi, Messi and Shearer would have been better than fucking Foden and uh, Henri, I think. So you could have had fucking. You could have had fucking Haaland. <laughs> I've not even picked him at that point. But not to be fair. I think out of all of us, I would say the Messi one. I think I, I'm going to place that on Aggie's lap, and I think he's maybe dropped the yeah. ball there. But but yeah, I, I um, had to be fair. Messi is the regen of the player that I had at number ten. So you can't you can't have a go at me for that, can you? True, it's very true. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's wrapped up my question. Appreciate your answers, boys. Happy days. So it should be a good tournament. That not that it'll ever happen, but it would be uh, it would be good to see. So it is left with me to close off this week, and it is a question that I'm sure Kemp will be very very excited to get stuck into. And it's very simple, lads. 
whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA, whether it's Kimbo Slice out on the streets, it's up to you. Who is your favourite fighter of all time? And Aggie, purely because your knowledge and interest in the combat world is a little bit less than ours, let's get you out of the way, mate. What's your answer? Yeah, I'm glad you've come to me first because you guys are all going to have very strong answers, very uh, very good reasons for your picks. Now, I watched um, combat sports for a very short amount of time whilst I was at uni, and by which I mean I only watched a couple of fights. So like you do when, obviously, Kemp's done his combat sports, um, I tend to just drift away and not not participate. I'm going with Cain Velasquez. I'll stop and let Kemp have his little laugh now. He says it's funny that I've gone no, for him. No, 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 no. It's funny that you've gone for him because it's random. Right? Absolutely yeah. no disrespect to Cain Velasquez at all. Arguably the greatest UFC heavyweight champion of all time. So I'm not, that's not what I'm laughing at. What I'm Anything laughing at you said, Aggie, would have is been that funny. I thought you were like... going to come back at us and say something like, oh, Tyson Fury or Ricky Hatton or something like that, like an English fighter that, that's quite well known in the country. The fact that you've gone Cain Velasquez just made me laugh because it's just like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah, I watched a couple of his fights and I felt when he was fighting, he was quite dominant. Um, I don't really know too much about like you know his, his entire career. I've done a bit of research into the stats. He won 14 of 17 fights, 13 years in um, MMA. Um, and I remember watching him against Brock Lesnar at the time was expected to be like a brute force within MMA, was my understanding. And Velasquez absolutely destroyed him um, and, and got the win. So, yeah, I've gone with Velasquez on the back of that as well. Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely fair enough. Um, you do make a good point there. He was a slight underdog, I think, against Brock Lesnar initially. But, yeah, he, he absolutely fucking folded him. And uh, UFC 121 that was, so a long, long time ago but definitely put Brock Lesnar firmly in his place. But apart from that, wins against Big Nog, wins against Czech Congo, Antonio Silva, um, Junior Dos Santos in the trilogy, two wins out of uh, Junior Dos Santos' trilogy. Um, yeah, he, he had an unbelievable run that was unfortunately stopped, or fortunately stopped, whichever way you look at it, by Fabricio Verdum a few years ago. Um, but there's no question in anybody's mind, Cain Velasquez, um, is definitely one of the greatest UFC heavyweights of all time, Adam. So even though it was quite funny at first, it's not a bad shout, mate. And to get battered by Ngannou as well. He did. In his last ever MMA fight, Francis Ngannou <laughs> nearly killed him. <laughs> <laughs> as he does everyone. So, yeah. Including Tyson, Tyson Fury. Fury. <laughs> Including Tyson Fury. There we go. Who's next, Sam, you're up next. Oh, is it? Oh, shit. That's my question, mate. Your question. Sorry, mate. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> I'll admit, I've really struggled with this one because I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I don't have a favourite fighter in pretty much any anything I watch. And I know, obviously, back in the day, me and Kempi, we've chatted a lot on Kempi's Combat Corner. Um, if that ever does return one day, I'll, I'll look forward to the day. Um, <clears throat> but I've, ne I've never really had a favourite fighter. I just enjoy the fights. I enjoy the fighters when they do eventually happen. And for that reason, I've got quite a boring answer. So I'm glad you haven't picked me last because it would have been a bit of a damp squib to end on. And I've gone Anthony Joshua. Right. And and my reason for this is because I I started watching boxing. It was just after the Ricky Atten era. And I think I would have had Ricky Atten down as my favourite had I, had I experienced that. I didn't really watch it at the, at the time, so I'm not going to say him. Joshua, for me, was always the one... I remember whenever he was fighting, I would go out of my way. I would make my plans around that Saturday night and I would make sure I'm watching that fight. Um, I, I always think back to that Vladimir Klitschko fight. It were coming in. It were 18 and 0 at the time. Joshua was still, you know, still up and coming. I think he'd not long beat Charles Martin. 
Um, and and this this was the fight, and and it was an unbelievable fight. Probably to this day, is probably best fight and his his best win that is he's ever ever had. Um, and and yeah, it, it has to be Joshua for me, just because I've never really had another fighter like that. Where I really really can't wait to watch them. Um, Joshua back back in his early record, where you look at it between his his sixteen wins and his probably twenty two wins ish, he just let his hands go, and he was an absolute monster. And and it wasn't robotic, and and it, and it was just it was relaxed in the ring. He looked confident, and I think that's the Joshua that we all kind of miss. Um, he's obviously got older. He's, he's took a few shots. He's been knocked out. He's been stopped, and he. And he is obviously feeling that, and, and it, I think it's, it's it's in his head. He's just scared for that to ever happen again. So it's it's affected him mentally. I think it's probably going to affect him forever going forward. I don't think he'll ever be that same boxer that is it was back then, which is a, which is a massive shame because I thought it were, it were brilliant to watch uh, in them them, in them earlier days. So Anthony Joshua for me, but uh, yeah, it's more from the fact that I've not really got a favourite than than he him being my absolute favourite. So yeah, it's it's not the best answer I've got, but uh, that that would probably be my answer. I think, to be fair, I think there will be a lot of people, especially of this generation, that that would probably be the same. You know, for a long time, he was that new face of British boxing, sort of bringing back in that heavyweight scene of the nineties that was so popular. Yeah, uh, you know, and he was the face of that. So I think it's it. Despite you feeling like you didn't really have many options to go to, I still think it's a very very valid answer. But uh, Mr. Tom Kemp, mate, I know this is mm. one that you you've probably had the readers on all week and chopped and changed your answer and looked at different people and thought back on good memories over the years of your many, many, many hours watching combat sports. But who have you settled on as your favourite fighter of all time? So the way I've gone with this is who gave me the biggest big fight feeling. So you get, there's a feeling in when you're watching combat sports and, and it's a feeling you don't get in any other sport that you watch, in my opinion, ever. If I sit down to watch a big Sheffield United game or a big New York Giants game or whatever it might be, I don't get this feeling at all. I don't get the feeling of consequences. I don't get the feeling of this is the biggest thing that's happening in the world and I'm watching it right now. That excitement, I feel so fucking sick with excitement and nerves about what's going to happen. Um, and, and I don't get that in any other sport apart from mixed martial arts or sometimes boxing. Sam mentioned there, the um the the Klitschko AJ fight Dawson I watched that with you I don't know if you remember and and I said to you as just as literally Michael Buffer was making the ring announcements or whatever I said I've got that big fight feeling <laughs> and I felt so fucking sick and excited it's unbelievable um definitely didn't have that for Fiorian Garner last weekend um but the person who gave me that is the person who I've chose to be my favorite fighter of all time and it is no other than the notorious former featherweight and lightweight champion of the world, the notorious Conor McGregor. And the reason for that is because I've never been so fucking nervous in my entire life when he fought Chad Mendes, when he fought Jose Aldo, when he fought Eddie Alvarez, when he fought Nate Diaz twice, when he fought Habib, when he fought even Cowboy, when he came back at UFC 246. The nerves, the excitement, the consequences that Conor McGregor used to bring because he used to chat so much shit in the build-up to fights. It used to mean so fucking much, which is why he's the record holder for pay-per-view buys in boxing and MMA history uh, because of, obviously, his, his, his promotional ability. Um, he changed the entire game. He was somebody, a European, you know, an Irishman. He lived literally just over the shore from, from where we are. Um, and he made it and, and he proved to everybody that it's possible for an Irishman to, to go out there and, and to conquer the world. And, and for that very short period, 2015, 2016, he absolutely did that. So for me, 
my favourite fighter of all time, purely for that reason, purely for how he makes me feel when I watch him. And I'm sure when he does inevitably return, I'll probably feel like this again, even though he is on the uh, on the on the cusp of a few losses in a row. But for me, my favourite fighter of all time is the notorious Conor McGregor. I've seen someone say um, on 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 one of the forums, as we say, uh, that the the peak Conor McGregor um, in the the MMA was peak UFC. Um, obviously, with the backing of the Irish, they followed them everywhere. The you know the press conferences were always something to behold, and I, I always remember that to that clip of the um, where the, the the they take the mic up to the the Irish guy in the stand, then it starts singing, singing down the mic, and next minute everyone's fucking singing, and it's brilliant atmosphere. Yeah. And I seen someone say this this is this this was uh, like peak UFC. This was what what would you say to that? Mm. I'd say that I'd say that person's probably a casual or a big McGregor fan. And the only reason that I say that is because when McGregor was fighting, it was different. It was like there's UFC and then there's a McGregor fight. It's it's completely different. Like the, the circumstances and the event were just completely different just because Connor was fighting. And I do agree in the sense that his fights, again, the reason I've tripped in my favorite fighter of all time is because his fights were just so much more important than everybody else's. To say that the UFC in general was the best at that particular time. I'm not quite sure about that. The reason that I say that is because the heavyweight division wasn't really popping that much. The light heavyweight division was good, but John Jones was in and out of trouble pretty much all the time. The middleweight division was completely fucked because Chris because Chris Weidman decided to lose against Luke Rockhold. And then Luke Rockhold decided to lose against Bisping. And then Bisping decided to lose against GSP. So that was all fucked. Welterweight, Tyron Woodley was a little bit uh, a little bit boring as champion, although he was a dominant one. And the lower weight divisions, again, they were pretty boring as well. So apart from Conor McGregor at that particular time, Ronda Rousey was kind of on her way out as well when he was kind of in his pomp. I don't agree with that pretty much at all. But what I do agree with is that Conor McGregor fights and Conor McGregor cards were the best cards and the biggest cards of the year. And that is peak UFC watching experience for me, but because Conor McGregor was fighting, not because of the entire UFC in general. Like it. That's fair. And I'm going to give you the benefit, if you've got any to mind, but give us give us one or two honourable mentions that oh, might have made that list. Just I was so close. I was so close to saying I'm Mike Tyson. I was so fucking close because I've, I've never got to watch his fight. I'm a little bit too young to ever watch his fights live, apart from the Roy Jones Jr. fight that he had a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but Jesus Christ, Like if you just watch his highlights from his first... Brutal. Fight, just... That, like the, the fucking fear that he would instill into his opponents. This guy, this fucking Customato found him on the street as a fucking 13-year-old kid and turned him into an absolute killer. Um yeah. Olympic champion at 15, went he? He was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's scary how quickly he adapted to the sport and how absolutely brutal and dominant that he was. Um, up until obviously issues took over and 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 he lost that that streak of dominance. But uh, yeah, my, Mike Tyson most definitely for his early career, especially, um, was was definitely definitely up there as as one of my favourites. Um, current fighters Sean O'Malley. I've always been a fan of the Sugar Show ever since he was on the Contender series. I've always been a fan of Sugar Sean O'Malley. Um, you've got to put Ricky Hatton in there due to the fact that obviously he's English and he really waved the flag for for British boxing for a long. For quite a long time, to be fair, um, and then just 
miscellaneous fighters. I used to love David Hay when I was younger. Yes, David, David Hay. I love David Hay. Flew, flew the flag for, for the UK. It wasn't <laughs> that good in the end, it turned out. But I always used to say, Derek Chisora, what a donkey. You've got to love Derek Chisora. What a bless his heart. Francis Ngannou, again, an absolute beast. And you always get excited when he fights. Um, there are loads and loads of honourable mentions in there. Fucking hell. Nate Diaz, Diego Sanchez, Nick Diaz. Benson Henderson, all these people. I was thinking Audley Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your man, the, your the, cap, man. the king of the dunks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but in the end, I, I had to go with my heart, and I had to go with what I was most emotionally connected with, and, and like I said, that was Conor McGregor. That's fair, mate. Great answer. I'll uh, I'll close the show then with mine, and it is a man that has been mentioned by two different people in this segment, and it is. The hitman, Ricky Hatton. Um, the first ever fight that I stopped up and watched live was uh, Hatton versus Mayweather way back in 2007. 17-year-old skin. Not really. I loved you know, seeing Mike Tyson and things like that. I had a DVD that was like a documentary, like his biggest fights. Really enjoyed watching that. But again, like Kemp said, I'd never watched it live in the moment and getting that feeling of the build-up. Uh, Hatton versus Mayweather was the first fight I ever stopped up and watched live. And Kemp... Credit to you, mate, still being able to do those very, very late nights now because doing that when I was 17 and in my prime, it fucking ruined me, mate, <laughs> staying up all night. So uh, a credit to you. But, yeah, you, you spoke there, Kemp, about McGregor and that promotion and, and the press conferences. Ricky Hatton paved the fucking paths that McGregor then ran on. Mm-hmm. It, because it did. You watch, no, you watched I'm not saying he was as good as, but mm. he, he he built the way to make no. the pre- press conferences <laughs> almost sorry, no. as good. No, yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I don't no, care. I don't no. care. I'm older than you. I saw it in the prime. But... <laughs> Better than you. You believe me. <laughs> you believe me. But Ricky Hatton in his prime, very much, or and again, McGregor was bigger and better than it, but making those press conferences and build-ups almost as must-see as the fights themselves. Just you watch that build-up to Hatton and Mayweather. I was all in. He hooked me in. Just May- Mayweather turning up with United shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Hatton in the city shirt and all that. But yeah, turning up to America again, like McGregor, just fans behind him, raucous crowds, red hot for him. Um, obviously, didn't win that fight, but again, just that big fight feel got that fucking, you mentioned, got Ken. fucking obliterated in it that did. fight, mate. It it so heartbreaking. It, it was. Head but, yeah, head the turnbuckle. Head he butted the turnbuckle. <laughs> Do you remember that, Sam? Yeah. Remember that. <laughs> Took a left hook and went flying into it, didn't he? But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, finished on a forty-five <sighs> and three record, and there were fights along the way that again just was putting British boxing back on the scene. It never got quite up to that level that it did once heavyweight boxing and your Anthony Joshua's came in and Tyson Fury and all that. But it was a people's man, the people's champion, as if there ever was one in the boxing world, and mm. and just yeah, great. His his mouth was amazing, and again he, oh. he made those press conferences and those uh, and those build-ups almost as must-see as the fights themselves. So, yeah, for me... One I... thing I would say on that, one thing I would say on that, just before you carry on, is that, as, as they say in the pro wrestling game, the baby face is only as good as the heel. And the reason I think you're remembering Ricky Hatton so fondly at those press conferences is because Floyd Mayweather played the perfect oh, yeah. antagonist. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, That's um, yeah. the only uh, reason absolutely. that... If, if you look at fucking Ricky Hatton's press conference against Barrera, I'm sure you wouldn't remember it as much. Yeah, or against true. Pacquiao, I'm sure you wouldn't remember it as much. So, yeah. but but very fair. 
But again, that you you mentioned that emotional connection, that big fat feeling. There's been McGregor and Aldo was probably the sort of right up there in terms of that big fat feel. So many talks we were working together at the time. I don't think you've ever lost as much money in your life as you had when uh, when you were adamant that Aldo would beat him and all that. But that feeling pounds in thirteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, that, that big fight feel. I don't think I've ever had it as much as as when I stayed up to watch Hatton and Mayweather. And maybe that was because part of it was it was the first fight I was stopping up for. That's how big it was to me. But yeah, if we're talking favorite fighters ever, Ricky Hatton, because just what a guy putting on so much weight in between fights and then trimming right down. It was a wonder how he did it and and had the record in the career that he had. To be quite honest, so yeah, what a man. It was um, huge. He's... It was huge. There's no doubt about that. Hatton Mayweather was fucking massive. It was. Like I, I, I don't necessarily agree with Ricky Atten in press conferences, but the actual event itself, fight over here in the UK, was fucking ridiculous. And I actually think, to be fair, that was one of the first fights that I ever stayed up for. Is, is Hatton versus Mayweather? Um, yeah, he did get his ass kicked in the end, but we all believed that he could do it. Like say the people's champion, we thought that he were going to beat Floyd Mayweather. Um, Floyd Mayweather, one of the greatest defensive boxers of all time, fifty and 0 retired, job done. So maybe not, but. Yeah, at that point in time, Hatton Mayweather was the biggest thing in boxing. And um, and you're absolutely spot on skin. He was uh, a true inspiration to a lot of British boxers in the last 20 years, I'd say. I bet uh, if, if Kel Brooks watching this now, not getting an honourable mention from Kempe, I bet he's fucking heartbroken. That is. <laughs> yeah, I love Kel. I love him. And obviously he's a blade. Bless him. Of course he is. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love Kel on his way up. But I, I don't think he maybe reached the heights that he could potentially. No, he have, definitely have didn't. Reached. Definitely didn't. So I, I I do love him. He's a blade. Love him to be. It's met him a few times. Nice, nice, great, nice bloke. Great, nice bloke, I can. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't I can't in all good conscience put him in one of my favourite fight, fighters of all time because I, I think even Kelly himself would probably have, he could probably have done a little bit better. Very, very near. Stop saying that, man. Honestly, I mean, Sam, we're having a dead serious conversation at work with someone earlier, and I was just on the periphery. It was short. Yeah, and, uh, and and Sam went, very near. And li- literally, they're having a serious conversation. I'm stood there with the biggest grin. Because like, you just said it. Didn't even think, like, that's just how he says fair enough now. <laughs> it was fucking, so fucking funny, man. But so anyway. what you're saying is, so what you're saying is, it's all Ag's fault. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, well, if I got to say it, Sam won't be saying it. So, yeah. 100%. Always Absolutely. is my fault, yeah. Always. Absolutely. But, lads, that's episode 76. And, and as you know, I won't be here next week for episode 77. So, Aggie, you're on hosting duties. And I'm looking forward to watching and hearing what the questions and answers are for next week. But until then, what we've got planned for the weekend. Kemp, I'll start with you, mate. Yeah, so a uh, bit of golf on Saturday morning, I think. And then Saturday afternoon, I'm going after my dad's birthday. And then Sunday, Sunday, um, not a fucking great deal, to be fair. I think I'll just be chilling, chilling out, doing bits and pieces at home, getting a bit of shopping done, a bit of red zone, chilling out and, uh, yeah, getting ready for uh, for a busy week next week. Sounds good, mate. Aggie, what you got planned, mate? Um, I've got two games this weekend. I'm covering Ooh. against Everton on Saturday. And then Aston Who's winning that? Fulham, uh, Palace. And then uh, yeah, money, 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 money. Spot on. Uh, and Aston Villa Fulham on Sunday. I think that'll go Villa's way. Um, oh, yeah. bias, isn't he? You're commentating all these Villa games. It's got to be now. Oh yeah, two games. I've done as many Villa games as I have Palace. There you go. Um, so I'm good following you, Skin. I'm just supporting everybody. And then on <laughs> Sunday, about uh, six o'clock, obviously getting ready for Red Zone. Hell. 
bloke needs to empty a chamber more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. he's ready, isn't he? He's ready. Yeah. On edge, on edge. Sam, what you got planned, mate? Uh, not a deal, that's pay. Um, recently bought Spider-Man 2 for PlayStation 5, so a lot of playing that, I'd imagine, this weekend. Do a bit of swimming, I think, on uh, Saturday morning, I think. Uh, I'm just about to go downstairs now, actually, and check on the, um, the health of my beloved because we're, we're a game day decision on whether we're going swimming straight after here. So I'm going to find out. And if we are, we'll be going swimming. If she's feeling shit, we're not. Um, and I imagine we'll be going Saturday instead if uh, if we... If we don't win tonight, uh, I've just looked and I can see Derby are actually at home against Barnsley um, on yeah, Saturday. So might be tempted to go. I've got. I don't think I've got anything on Saturday around that time. So I could potentially have a quick drive down to Pride Park, and I don't think it'll be a sellout. So should be able to grab a ticket if uh, if I do fancy it. We'll uh, we'll see. I'll keep keep my options open. What about you, Skinny? Uh, not a lot, mate. Uh, Friday night I'm out for my sister's birthday. Just a few drinks. Um, nothing crazy, and then. Uh, the weekend next to nothing, obviously away next week. So go and see Cosmin Saturday morning, get my hair cut, looking fresh and trim and, and just see if there's anything that I need. You um, can't keep saying Cosmin when he's not there, mate. You've got to let him go. Where is there? Oh, is it? I thought he moved. Yeah. I thought he... I thought no. Oh, what, what he's gone. He's fucking gone. He's not come back. He's selling it. He's great. <laughs> no, he is there. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture on Saturday morning. Okay. With him, okay. But, um, yeah, and then just steady ones. Um, I don't know, Chesterfield are playing Barnet on Saturday, three o'clock, top of the table clash. So maybe time dependent on once we've got sorted in town that I might see if I can get a last minute ticket, but I'm not I'm not committing until I know for sure if I'm going to be free or not. Um, you need to find out if uh, they'll approve you for that mortgage for the price of it first, mate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I see. I'm, uh, I'm actually got a, a meeting Saturday morning for uh, a guarantor and a loan for oh, all no, the tickets. All right, so uh, it's, I'm, I'm covered. But uh, Kent, before we go, mate, one last mm. question. It's not from me. It's a question for you, but I believe in regards to swimming, you have a question for Sam, don't you? Oh, I do. It's a good question, actually. You've had, glad you mentioned that. Sam, you mentioned that you were going to go down and speak to Katie and ask her a question and obviously see if that she was she was ready to go swimming. If you could go and ask another question for me as well, please, and come back to me with the answer. So I do quite a bit of swimming. I'd like to do a bit more, but the pool did get flooded due to the floods that were in a couple of weeks ago. So I've, I've not been able to get down. Um, but because I'm bald, as you can see, and I've not got any resistance on my on my top level, um, would it be beneficial for me, do you think, to wear a swimming cap while I swim? Well, actually, it's funny <laughs> Brilliant. I knew it. I knew it. Absolutely. Great, Sal. Good night, everybody. Good night.